Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. A proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Powered by ATB. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. This episode is brought to you by Park Power, a provider of electricity and natural gas in Alberta that offers low rates, awesome service, and profit sharing with local charities. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your energy from. If you choose Park Power, your money stays here. Plus, Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference for their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power's owner, Chris Kososki, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. Learn more right now at parkpower.ca. So in chapter 10 of our novel, we finally had a bit of a confrontation between Owen and Thompson over Owen's possible madness. It, yeah, the pseudo heart-to-heart, not really, but kind of, sort of. Yeah, things got a little existential for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's true. As uh, Owen argued that the virus is just one of his life experiences and it's helped made him the man he is today. The virtual yes. man. Quote-unquote man? Uh, But Thompson doesn't want to hear it and cuts Owen out of the equation and uh, proceeds to begin pondering his situation and formulating a plan uh, in order to possibly put an end to the rogue agents and their scheme for good. Possibly. Possibly. And also we picked up on some possible danger that he might be in. Also possible. Spoiler alert, turns out it wasn't a big deal. But we'll find out (laughs) more... Book's not over yet. Fair enough. We will find out more about that as we transition into Chapter 11 of The Municipalists by Seth Freed. So Thompson starts the chapter right where he left off last chapter, dozing on transit. Yep, like his favorite thing. Yeah. uh, He kind of wakes from the doze at rush hour when somebody brushes into him. And the reason this kind of jolts him to alertness is that the person who bumped into him pulls out a newspaper that has Sarah Laurie and Terrence Kirkland's faces splashed all over the front. Yes. In that leather booth, dressed as they were that night in the restaurant... Yeah. So he knows it's the picture from when they were having a conversation that Owen took. Well, yes. He didn't know at the time that Owen took a photo. No, but Owen was obviously recording everything in every possible media, so. Yeah, he quickly rushes off the train. Or bus? Train? I don't recall if he's above ground. Um, No, he was down in the subway, I thought. Fair enough. And he... uh, rushes off to find a copy of the uh, newspaper himself, manages to turn one up and reads what the article is about. Uh, The article fingers Terrence Kirkland as the leader of the terrorist organization. Well, yeah, because basically Owen recorded the whole evil plot and broadcast it to every major armed force slash police force around. Yeah, the article credits an anonymous video, which was sent to authorities, which tipped them off about Kirkland. Uh, I note that they continue to label and insist that Sarah Laurie is a kidnapping victim. Yeah. Because that is the media narrative that's been built around poor, sweet Sarah Laurie. Yeah. Who's now in the clutches of the evil, one-eyed Terrence Kirkland. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure why they're continuing on with that narrative. 
because that's because nobody wants to believe that the pretty young white girl could be one of the bad guys. Uh, yeah, she's but she's the darling of the city. I know. Maybe it's cuz I view her as less of a darling now that we've gotten to know her. Oh yeah, and I'll have better. words I'll have words about that as we continue. <laughs> Very good. But uh we also discover that when authorities went to investigate the site that Owen tipped them off to, the restaurant was empty and the nearby headquarters that yeah, we had seen office slash training facility is a sinkhole uh it's also been scrubbed and this makes sense terrence kirkland oh, yeah. evaded capture uh the moment thompson slipped his grasp he scrubbed the two sites that thompson had seen while sending men after him yeah. that's clearly what happened oh yeah as soon as they knew that someone was onto them they scrubbed and run yeah he also notes that the authorities are not releasing the full video which is possibly because they're trying to avoid panic. Could be. Or possibly because Sarah Laurie said and did some incriminating things in there, and they don't want to release that information to them. That also possible? Uh, it's hard to say one way or the other. Um, there's also further information about more escalation. Yes. Uh, the Navy is now sending a nuclear aircraft carrier to assist in the defense of the perimeter. That seems unwise. The Air National Guard is scrambling to assist due to the helicopter and drone attacks. Clearly there's uh, an airspace issue. And the FBI has been called in with their counterterrorism unit to assist as well. And Thompson recognizes that this is a fast-approaching bureaucratic nightmare. Yeah, this is going to turn into a huge mess. Yeah, the different civil and military organizations with different chains of command and jurisdictions of authority are not going to be able to work together. And it's going to cause cracks in the efforts to stop Kirkland that Kirkland will be able to operate in. Yep. And Thompson realizes that there's no way this isn't Kirkland's plan. Kirkland was counting on this response. This is Kirkland once again effectively weaponizing bureaucracy. In this case, weaponizing the good guys' bureaucracy against themselves. Yep. He knows that and these agencies it, can't work together. Yeah, and using it to his advantage. It actually made me wonder if this is part of his plan to freeze the city. This feels like a Xanatos gambit. Well, because what better way to freeze a government institution than with so much red tape that it no longer can function? Right. So maybe this is part of the plan. Maybe. Hard to say. It kind of feels like it kind of feels like it is. I think it is. This feels on purpose. Yeah. But Thompson isn't done being a spanner <laughs> in Kirkland's machine. And he decides that he has until the citywide curfew at eight PM yep. to do something to put a stop to Kirkland's plans once and for all. Right. And we know it's rush hour, so He's immediately pretty daunted because he is trying to stop an all-out war between the rogue agency and the U.S. government. All three, oh, yeah. all three levels, like municipal, state, and federal. <laughs> and he has two resources, his wits and the suit on his back. And that gives him a eureka moment. <laughs> so, once again... The worst possible choice for a field agent turns out to be the best man for the job. Yeah. Thompson is such a company man that he lives in his Usmus suit. It is a second skin he to him. He is intimately familiar with his suit. And as he contemplates the fact that he doesn't have money, he doesn't have a gun, like he just has the suit, it dawns on him that this is an Usmus brand suit. Like this is the same cut. Yeah. It's this just is, black. Yeah, these are the same suits. So oh, clearly ordered from the same place. They have to be from the same tailor. Exactly yeah. right. And so someone who 
loves his suits as much as he does has clearly got a pipeline to the tailor for adjustments and fixes and whatnot because a guy like Thompson's going to want to look his usmus best. Indeed. So he finds another phone kiosk, a different one than he used before, and calls up the tailor and is like, hey, yo, I'm not booking an appointment. I am curious about a recent shipment you made to Metropolis. And the tailor confirms, yeah, we uh, we <laughs> sent out two shipments of black suits yes. to Metropolis. Oh, Henry, how are recently. you? <laughs> yeah. Yes, sure, certainly I can check on that for you. No problem. But this means that suddenly Thompson has two leads for two places where Kirkland was sending materiel. Yes. And this is what sets his plan in motion. In all honesty, it's a pretty good plan. It is a pretty good plan. and I it think it's a pretty good plan. And without trying to get too far ahead of ourselves, it very nearly works. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. We'll get there. We'll That's get why there. it's a pretty good plan. So first off, he needs some supplies. And again, he has no <laughs> money. No. Okay. This is a beautiful little character bit for Thompson, I think. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, he makes a numbered, categorized, itemized list. itemized list of all of the things he had to steal. I also made a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote, like, in capital letters, of course he made an itemized list because, of everything he stole. Because he is a first-class bureaucrat. Yeah. It also kind of struck me as the kind of thing that he would have put down for later submission for, like, an accounting of his actions and, like, expenses and right? whatnot. Like, we, Usmus will need to reimburse yeah. these yeah. places Usmus for these to, items. Yeah, Usmus will need to pay for these things that I had to steal in order to do my job. Yeah, no, that absolutely is what that came across to me as. Um, he picks up a few things, which all come into play. All, a couple of them are just food for him to eat Look, before he puts his plan in dude motion. Dude needs some lunch. Yeah, he only had like a bite of tentacle yeah. earlier. He also hits up a bookstore, finds uh, a beginner's guide to Esperanto, the beginner's guide to Esperanto. Yes. Jots down some notes in his stolen notepad yeah. with his himself, stolen pen. Yeah, teaches himself some basic phrases. And then he goes and hides in the bookstore restroom and bleaches his hair, uses some of the stolen makeup to disguise his nose injury. And basically puts together a practical disguise that will make him pass for not Thompson for just long enough to get in the door. Yes. Which is more or less what he his plan is. Right. Owen would probably scoff at this disguise because he can create fancy digital ones. Yeah. But he it's a pretty good disguise. Thompson, yeah. He did a pretty good job. Yeah. Thompson did good. And it's kind of telling that one of his first plans of action here is disguise himself. It shows that Owen's, like, M.O. has rubbed yeah. off on him a bit. Yeah, Owen's, Owen's influence is, yeah. is right here. The first thing Owen would do. In fact, I will go so far as to say his entire plan is very Owen-esque. Yes. As we get through it. And I'll, I'll explain all, more as we go. It, it's just all practical instead of all hologram. It's instead of all hologram, yeah. So armed with his disguise and his rudimentary... Very... Uh, understanding of the language of Esperanto and a duffel bag with some stuff in it, he heads over to the first address and notes on the door, there is a placard calling the place the Society for Ethical Municipalists Department of Quartermaster. And this is where his bureaucrat brain kicks back into gear and he recalls that acronym from many chapters ago. Yeah, Sewage Bros Notes. Yeah, yeah. Remember Swim. I said it it was an acronym for something we just didn't know what? Yeah, it's yeah. the Society for Ethical Municipalists. Yeah. Also, title drop. Nita was right. 
kind of came toward the end of the book, but now we know where the title The Municipalists comes from. All good. Clearly, this is the name that the rogue agents and their cell Mm -hmm. have for themselves. They are ethical municipalists, which is why they're killing random people and blowing up institutions. Absolutely. Very ethical. Absolutely. Thompson is buzzed in and approaches the two rogue agents, twins, apparently, who are working the front desk. Yes. Gives them a greeting in Esperanto, and they pretty quickly cut him off. They're like, dude, you are you are bad at this. Yeah, you need to work harder on your... You're just doing it a service to yourself. <laughs> Was uh, that three, three classes a week? Yeah. And then they encourage him to just continue in English, which clearly this was what he was hoping for. Yes. And he puts his plan into motion. He tells them Kirkland needs to store the bag that he's brought there. And he's got a pretty decent story cooked up that they find pretty immediately plausible. Kirkland doesn't want it cataloged. It's need to know only. He doesn't want any transmissions about it because of the incident that happened last night. Yep. But they're welcome to go check with him in person at the other location if they want to head over there on foot. And they're like, oh, no, they balk at this. Neither of us can leave because there's just the two of us here. Oh, that's good to know. Yep. And, like, can we just let him in? We had to move a bunch of stuff around for all of Sarah's trumpets. Yeah. We can just we can just shuffle this bag in. It's fine. Yeah. So, really, Thompson goes in with a really solid tactic. And it's one you hear over and over again, walk in like you own the place. He walks in with just enough knowledge about how the rogue agents work. Yeah. That... He's able to bluff his way past these two guys. Absolutely. Who are just there manning the desk. Yeah, exactly. He walks in with, like, loads of confidence and just enough knowledge to bluff his way by. Yeah. And and he does a really good job. They they are so convinced by his plan that they ask him to ask Kirkland for more bodies to guard yeah, the Yeah, like, look, it's just the two of us. We can't handle all of this. Yeah. They also, you mentioned Sarah Laurie's trumpets. <laughs> Yes, well, because they mentioned Sarah Laurie's trumpet. Yeah, there's um, there's like a hint of resentment in the way that they reference her here. Oh, you noticed that too, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. coupled with, this was something that we brought up earlier, but not in an episode. We had finished recording uh, the episode where he gets onto Sarah Laurie's train. Yep. And... I had meant to bring something up that I didn't bring up. We kind of discussed it after the fact. And then I decided not to bring it up on the next episode because I felt like there was evidence to refute it. And I didn't want to put it basically in the record. But now I'm going to bring it back up because I've swung back the other way. Okay. Sarah Laurie comes across as someone who is slumming it. Oh, all right. She She is a pretty rich girl who has been living in the lap of luxury, and now she's playing revolutionary, but she doesn't want to give up those creature comforts. She was in a luxury apartment that was built for her in a train, while the rest of the agents are probably double bunking in these headquarters. Probably. And are kind of living rough right now as they enact their revolution. But she is living in the lap of luxury. And it's kind of struck me when they were like we had to move a bunch of kevlar around to make room for her trumpets the rest of the rogue agents might not be as enamored with her as kirkland is no that's which really pretty clear actually which really makes her kirkland's yeah that's uh that's a blind point for him he's only got one eye granted (laughs) uh but yeah when we saw the train i was like this is she's still living the high life She's just living the high life while playing revolutionary. She's slumming it. And then 
when they abandoned the train and we had the next chapter and she was kind of like she knew her way around the headquarters and it was like, oh, she volunteers at the restaurant as well. But in retrospect, what does she do at the restaurant? She plays her trumpet. She doesn't actually work at the restaurant. She doesn't wait tables. Oh, goodness. She doesn't get her hands dirty. No, she's part of the entertainment. No, Sarah Laurie is too important for that. So I wonder if maybe she thinks she's this big revolutionary. When maybe she's every... Kirkland's arm candy? Yeah, maybe everyone just sees her as the boss's girlfriend. That might be the case. And now I'm bringing it up because no, Thompson there's... goes into the storage area there's and crammed between... There's clearly some resentment there, yeah. And crammed in with all of their materiel is Sarah Laurie's writing desk and her futon and her clothes and her entertainment and it's like really surrounded by rifles and yeah. machine guns this and stuff, artillery this stuff was of the same importance to kirkland as the stuff they need to wage yeah. war on the government as his like half of his arsenal yeah and so i can't help but like my my esteem for sarah laurie has actually just gone down again <laughs> significantly again? it was already waning it's yeah. been going down it wasn't super high to begin with yeah um in the storage area, amidst all of Sarah Laurie's finery and the weapons of mass destruction that Kirkland has been stockpiling, Thompson goes into part two of his plan, lighting everything on fire. Yep. This is pretty effective plan. He's going to destroy Kirkland's supplies. Yep. He's going to get rid of the stockpile and then Kirkland will be hamstrung in his efforts to wage a protracted war. Yep. And that's sound. Right? That's what I said. It, for he a, came up with a solid plan. For a plan that needed to be done in three-ish hours. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. Right? I'm super proud of him. He's doing He's doing great. Yeah. So after lighting Sarah Laurie's clothes all on fire in the midst of explosives. Uh, he found a whole bunch of dynamite. Yeah. He uh, rushes out calling for the two rogue agents to follow him out into the street. And they make it a couple blocks down and they finally stop him and are like, look, what's going on? And he kind of lets the... Let's yeah. the mask fall. Like, look, Usmus just saved your lives. And before they have a chance to kill him, the building explodes. Yeah. Kaboom. They, the twins are never seen again. They might be dead. <laughs> we don't know. And Thompson himself is briefly knocked out. Like, he comes to a moment later, ears ringing, vision swimming, clearly concussed, obviously injured. Yeah. Looks like he's been through, like, a terrible dust storm, right? He's just covered... Uh, and he immediately staggers off to go to the second location. Yep. He's got more things to explode. Yeah. He arrives at an office tower, which also has the SFEM yep. uh, notification, because if you're running a secret Illuminati group in a city, you better advertise what your buildings are, including where your quartermaster's office is, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Kirkland's adherence to bureaucracy has reached absurdity, <laughs> which is kind of funny. This whole book is... <laughs> bureaucracy reaching absurdity. Yeah, and Thompson blunders in, bleeding and covered in dust, and starts shouting at all the guards in the reception area that they're under attack, and he needs to go make sure that the rest of their stockpile is safe. They're like, what? He's like, look at me. I was there. We need to check our supplies. Yeah, Thompson is engaging at this juncture in a textbook Bavarian fire drill. Oh, you're going to have to explain that one to me. All right, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the term, a Bavarian fire drill is a social engineering tactic where you pretend to be a person of authority and create a sense of emergency in order to accomplish a goal. 
Ah, okay. On Doctor Who, the Doctor frequently uses the Bavarian fire drill. He walks in, oh, he I'm, flashes yes. his psychic paper, and he tells everyone he's a he's the boss, and everybody just assumes he is. Yeah, and just sort of hops too. Because he's blustering and ordering people around, and nobody has time to think, because there's a crisis. Yes. And that's exactly what Thompson does here. And this is why I said earlier on, his plan is very Owen-esque. Because what has Owen done? Oh, the Through exact the book so same far? thing. Yeah. Just a little more ridiculous. Yeah. He throws up a disguise and then goes and shouts at people until stuff happens. Yeah. And it's been working for them, despite the fact that Owen cranks it up to 11. Yeah. So Thompson just kind of dials it back to eight and, and still very, makes it work. Very successful. Yeah. He blusters his way through the guards, using some of the same absolutely criticisms and terminology that the twins were using on him. Which was very funny. He also throws the twins under the bus, suggesting they're the reason the other place blew up. Yeah. They're like, they turned on us. The guards are sufficiently bowled over and on the back foot that one of them starts taking him up to the top floor to check on the stockpile. Right. And then Thompson uh, gets very brave, conks him. Does he conk him out or just push him out of the elevator? He jerseys him and pushes oh, him out of the elevator. Jerseys him. That's what it is. He jerseys him and throws him out of the elevator. Uh, it's the door closed in time. Yeah. On the seventh floor, he, he makes a little bluff where he's like, oh, is uh, so-and-so still working on seven? And the guard's like, I don't even know who that is. And then he jerseys him, punches him, kicks him off on the level where they're controlling the drones, he notes. Yeah. And then continues up to 12. By himself. Where the stockpile is. He quickly jams the elevator open yep. so that it can't go anywhere. Yeah. And then does his best to barricade the stairs so he that just, no one else can come in. Because he just needs to buy time. He just needs to buy himself enough time to light the place on fire. Yeah. He sabotages the sprinkler over where he's going to set the fire so that it can't put it out effectively. Starts the fire and then realizes, I'm trapped on this floor. And a kind of peace settles over him. Right? Yeah. He, it wasn't part of the plan to sort of kamikaze himself. No. But it's going to happen now. But he's, he's at peace with sacrificing his life in this moment for Usmus. Yes. Which is... Both heroic and sad. Yeah. Kind of sad. Right? It's very noble, but kind of depressing. Yeah. He's sacrificing himself for Usmus. Yeah. I mean, full points for noble sacrifice. Just, I don't know. I will counter with zero points for noble sacrifice because it fails to happen. Oh, sorry. In that case, full points for the noble intention of noble (laughs) sacrifice. Before the fire gets out of control and blows anything up, yeah, the rogue agents finally manage to batter down one of the emergency doors. Yes, and, and show up with fire extinguishers. Thompson, at this point, has been inhaling smoke. He's already concussed. He passes out as they basically tackle him to the floor. And the last thing he hears Un- before he Unnecessary, loses, really. Well, they don't know that he's not dangerous. I know. And then the last thing he hears before he passes out is that they've put out the fire. Yeah. So his plan... Well, impressive has failed. It's true. Though and he's... we end yet another chapter with him being rendered unconscious. Yeah. Now, the good news is he's certainly crippled Kirkland's ability to wage his war. He really has. Because he blew up that first stockpile. Mm-hmm. So at least half the arsenal is gone. Yeah. That doesn't mean that Kirkland can't still do a lot of damage. No, it's true. But at the very least, his efforts have been set back considerably. Yes. This is a formidable monkey wrench. Yeah. In the works. Uh, Thompson continues to become a more and more significant threat to Kirkland. And I'm curious how he's going to get out of the clutches of the bad guys, because the only person who could save him is not 
real and is not able to get out of the place he's, he's been stuck. He's wrapped in a hanky behind a fire extinguisher and, somewhere. And even if he weren't, he's immaterial. Also true. So, yeah. I don't know. This one's a real good cliffhanger because I honestly have no predictions for I next have, time. I have a theory. Okay. Hit I me. have a theory. Okay. Um, again, not having read ahead. Thompson is going to be taken back down to like seven where there's like the big headquarters set up okay. to get uh, reamed out by Terrence Kirkland for being uh, a real thorn in his side. You, ooh, you Thompson, ooh, <laughs> ooh, I'm not going to make the same mistake as last time and I'm going to get you. While he's doing that, I am curious if Owen is going to hack his way into the rogue agency. They hacked him at the start of the book. And so I feel like we're coming up to the point where it's going to be turnabout and Owen's going to hack them back. Oh, that'd be cool. And if Owen, Owen hacks them back, he might be able to pull something in the data center, like take yeah, control yeah. of the drones or something, mm -hmm. which have been in play since the beginning of the book, and then basically create enough ruckus in the headquarters that Thompson is able to escape. And realizing that Owen is the one who did it, he goes and retrieves Owen so that they can have the final confrontation together. Yeah. I mean, if the rogue oh. agency if the rogue agency hacked into Owen the first time, that might leave him with a way to hack them back. Maybe. So that's I my that's my past theory. Owen. That's that's a good theory. We got a I glimpse. Like it. We got a glimpse of level seven in this chapter where they had all those computer banks where they were controlling all the drones, and I feel like that might be Chekhov's seventh floor. <laughs> and that oh, that's how Owen comes back into play and saves Thompson. Is that he's a computer and he's better than their computers. And it's time for him to get a little revenge, a little rewenge, by <laughs> hacking Kirkland back. No, oh, solid. I like it. There you go. That's my theory. It's a good theory. Could be totally wrong. We're, we were totally yeah. wrong about oh. the picture that was snapped on the subway. I don't know. That might still come back, but it seems unnecessary now because they have him. Because they have him, exactly. So, yeah. We'll oh. have to wait and see. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, in this chapter, Thompson did disguise himself as one of the rogue agents in order to worm his way into their organization. And while he wasn't actually turning his coat uh, to join them, you might be interested in finding a way to leave your current position and get into a new one. And fortunately, <laughs> there is a program that can help you do that. You are the smoothest at segues. Your next career move is right around the corner, and NorQuest College is here to help. Our new Career Moves Professional Development Program will help you transition to new job opportunities. Funded by the Future Skills Center, we will provide one-on-one -on -one coaching, self-assessments, skill development and training, and up to $2,000 in available tuition credit. Our focus is your success. Make your next move. Apply today at norquest.ca slash career moves. So there you go. Norquest College Career Moves, uh, a great program that's there if you are looking for a new opportunity, a uh, fresh start somewhere, or just a change of scenery. Brought to you by one of Scott's perfect segues, TM. Hey, I don't write them down ahead of time. So. <laughs> They're very good, honey. There you go. NorQuest, of course, one of the supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can check out many of our podcasts right now, including our own on the CKUA app. Absolutely. Uh, as well as on your podcatchers of choice. Mm -hmm. Or if you feel like surfing it internet-wise, you can go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. There's absolutely another podcast there that is going to tickle your fancy. Guaranteed. That you'll want to add to your to your regular downloads. Might take a little surfing at this point because there are a lot of them there. Yeah. But there's 
oh, there's so many, so many good podcasts. Uh, if you've been enjoying any of them or you've been enjoying us, uh, feel free to give us a little rating and a review on the podcatcher of choice sure. that you are using because that is if helpful. Like. That's helpful to us. It really is. It increases our visibility and it's it's just a nice thing to do. Well, feedback is always appreciated. Yeah. You can also find us on assorted social media. Ah, yes. Time for the list. Uh, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the Read Along for most of those. Yeah, we're also uh, reachable via email. Uh, the Read Along at gmail.com. And I promise to read along all of your emails. Ooh. Oh, come on. Can't all be great segues. You're lucky. I love you so but, much. But we do read anything that comes our way. Absolutely. Even the spam, which is mostly what <laughs> we get. Well, we kind of read it. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is spam. Delete. The read along at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, and with that said, as always, we'll see you next time. Maybe Owen comes back? He's certainly not gone. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. All Read Along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.